Welcome to the Waste Not What Not podcast. I'm Philippa Ross, human ecologist, enthusiologist, author and energy healer, bringing you inspirational interviews, news and tips to rebuild the relationship between people and the planet the way nature intended by revitalizing our natural resources, minimizing waste and maximizing human potential. I trust you discover seeds of hope for a vibrant future so you can cultivate and transform them to suit your own lifestyle in order for us to collectively create a world where reverence for the diversity of all life is honoured. You'll find all the show notes in the description and lots more about me and my work at philipparos.com. And don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to share far and wide. Hello, Wastebusters. Welcome to episode 48. The theme this week is gifts. A fitting one since we'll be celebrating Christmas in just over five weeks and we'll be faced with a mountain of food and goodness knows how much packaging. My guest this week, Tracy Jeffrey, provides creative solutions to minimise waste and is an inspiration for anyone who thinks what they do just doesn't make a difference, proving our gifts have a far greater impact than we could initially think. I'm almost obsessed when it comes to buying sustainable presents, extra especially when it comes to gifts for children. Because there's a whole heap of toot out there. My own kids take the mickey out of me because my criteria for the grandbabies is it has to be ethically made and with sustainable materials, made in New Zealand, be educational, fun or both, and have a good few years of value so they want to play with it and use it for a number of years. It seems I'm not the only weirdo in the world, as today happens to be the inaugural World Sustainable Toy Day, with a Toys That Last theme, and research that says how toys shape the way children see and interact in the world, and that children lose interest in 25% of their toys after the first week of Christmas. And by the end of January, around 35% of toys are no longer loved, were not sustainable, and have ended up broken and thrown into landfill. While we're on the subject of children, Sunday the 20th November is World Children Day, a day established in 1954 to promote togetherness and improve their welfare. The combined declaration and convention for the rights of a child made in 1959 and 1989 respectively highlights their right to life, to health, education and to play, as well as their right to a family life, to be protected from violence, to not be discriminated and to have their views heard. As adults, we are the role models. What we buy, consume and the way we behave influences our children in more ways than we think. So it pays to be more aware of the subliminal messages urging us to buy this and that and to shift our thinking of the festive season as a time to honour gifts, those we give and the traits others have to bestow what will be of value and to nurture every child's point of difference, to listen to what can sometimes seem like inane waffle. So when our children really need someone to talk to, they'll feel comfortable coming to us knowing that we'll really listen. It's also worth remembering the children of the forest, the baby orangutans who also need protection. Thankfully, there are people like Leif Cox who created the orangutan project to rescue, rehabilitate and release these beautiful creatures. You might like to consider a one-off or regular donation as a gift for someone who loves them, or another animal or cause doing great work, all meaningful gifts that last. 
Another previous guest of mine, Nick Turner from Mainstream Green, has put together a fantabulous gift-giving webinar with 10 hot tips on gift-giving and the value it has for the giver and their recipient. Link in the show notes. It's worth remembering there are squillions of people and organisations worldwide who are doing things to make the world a better place. We don't have to wait for leaders and conventions to step up and take responsibility and do it for us. We're all responsible for our own actions and despite what you might hear through mainstream media, a great deal is happening because of their perseverance and actions. Organisations like Mission Blue, The Ocean Agency and HEPCA, who continued work has resulted in the Egyptian government announcing a 2,000 kilometre marine protected area in the Red Sea to protect the fringing reefs which are the most common type of reefs that grow near the coastline around islands and continents, separating from the shore by narrow, shallow lagoons. This will be music to the ears of a past guest of mine, Jules Bright, in episode 42, as her work is founded on a mission to infuse the spirit of the forest with her work, to produce powerful plant potions that nourish the ocean, thereby fulfilling her soul's quest to restore the coral reefs to a colourful, blooming wonderland. Jules has just won another two awards for her Earth's Kitchen sunscreen in the Best Family Sunscreen and the Best International Product categories, bringing the total number of global awards to 18. While we're talking about previous guests, Glenn Herrod from Happy Cow Milk's episode a couple of weeks ago on doing dairy differently still has nine days of his Pledge Me fundraising to go. It gives you the opportunity to invest in a groundbreaking way for farmers to be part of their communities, selling milk direct from the farm and providing them with a better standard of living. The minimum pledge is only $100, so if you can't do it by yourself, you might like to consider joining up with a few friends and collectively invest. The ethics of Glenn's work is a shining example of how to create something for the greater good of all. Unlike the incongruent farcical COP27 convention in Egypt, where global leaders have congregated to create a collective agreement to combat issues that contribute to climate change. I consider flying in on private jets and being sponsored by Coca-Cola is downright disrespectful. Little wonder with hours to go, delegates are still scrambling to conclude with a consensus that meets our global needs and not their greed. All the more reason I bring this podcast to you on a weekly basis to highlight the everyday heart-centred people who have aligned their gifts into ways that respect the needs of people and the planet. And today's guest, Tracy Jeffrey, is no exception. Tracy's business, Hollyview Creative, has given her the opportunity to thread different aspects of herself into designing a lifestyle that adds value for everyone, thereby minimising environmental waste and maximising human potential. Welcome to the show, Tracy. It's lovely to have you with me. I saw one of your posts up on Facebook and I thought it was really lovely to have somebody who was obviously what we English girls call a cottage industry, doing what she loves and um, making something from it and making a difference to the world. So can you let the listeners know where the name Hollyview first came from and what inspired you on your journey? Thank you for having me on the show. So the name Hollyview was the name of my grandparents' house in England where my dad grew up. And when I was thinking of a name for my little business, 
I thought it would be the perfect name because it represented, in my mind, an era, like an older era, where we didn't use so much plastic and it was normal to sort of hang your washing out on the line. Because my first things that I sold were peg bags inspired by my grandmother's peg bag, same as my mum's peg bag. So it just sort of spoke of a different era. And my family home that I grew up in had a big holly bush out the front. And my dad often said that we should call our family home Holly View, but he never really got around to doing it. And so the name Holly Views, Mm. I guess, has got good links for me. Good vibes. Awesome. So what inspired you to start in the first place? Well, I think it was back in 2017, me and my sister started a boomerang bag sewing group in our area Mm. because my sister had heard of boomerang bags, which started in Australia and they had this great website and it really encouraged people to set up their own sewing groups to make bags, to give away for free. The idea is you give them away, they get passed around, they come back. So you don't use plastic bags. That was sort of the ethos. And it was like a big global movement. And it's amazing what they've done. And my sister heard about it and we we talked and we thought, oh, it'd be amazing if someone did that in our area and then we could <laughs> join them. And then we thought, well, maybe we need to be the people to do this. You know, we need to sort of step out of our comfort zone and be the, the people to start it. And so that's what we did. And we just started really small and had little community sewing groups. And, and then we got some help from a local community organization that let us use their sewing machines. And it just sort of went from there, really. And then that just sort of opened up the plastic issue and it just sort of opened my eyes. You know, like you see things differently. Uh, it was an education. It's hard and to then go I, back once you see things, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. This eyes are open now. And it's amazing to sort of then look back and think, I didn't see that before. You, you just educate yourself on it. And um, I just really loved sewing. And I just thought, oh, I'd really like to do this more. And I'd like to make really nice bags and see if I could sell them. Because some of the fabric we were donated was absolutely gorgeous. And you thought, well, that was far too nice just to give away. But but we did. Like my ethos and with Hollyview is always buy secondhand fabric. I get it from various different places, but that's been my, my ethos all the way through. As, as much as I can, it's secondhand. But I was like, oh, I could make lots of cool things. And see if I I could sell them. It was sort of like a, this could be quite exciting. (laughs) (laughs) So did you have any sewing experience yourself to begin with? I had a little bit. Like when I was at school, I did like GCSE textiles and A-level textiles. So I'm quite creative and I did printmaking. That was not so much sewing like proper things. That was more kind of like wearable art and different sewing techniques. I knew how to use a sewing machine. But that was it, really. So when it came to sewing the bags, we needed to figure that out. And we had to learn. We had some really amazing, very experienced sewers come along to the sewing bees and they'd go, oh, this is how you do a French seam. And we were like, oh, awesome. This is amazing. And then with some of the instructions said, oh, we need to do a box corner in the bag. So that looks really good. And we were like, I don't know what a box corner is. So you <laughs> look it up and, you know, you just sort of learn as you go. And I think if you know how to use a sewing machine, you can teach yourself. I feel like I'm self-taught with a lot of the things. I think I'd really like to make a little zip bag. And I think oh, I don't actually know how to do that. So you find out. Fantastic. So that was 2017. So what are you making nowadays? So my latest thing that I'm making is Christmas crackers. Great time of year to be talking about them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of inspired to think, you know, like what, where can we have reusable products instead of the single use? And Christmas crackers don't often get recycled even though they're often paper there's often little bits of foil or ribbon and and that it doesn't actually get recycled and so yeah I've watched a couple of videos of how different people have made them right 
and I thought, well, I like what this person did and I liked how this person did that. And I made a few and I made some changes and then I'll come up with my version of the Christmas cracker. So, so it's quite a fun process. And the other thing is people can buy their own gifts to go in there because I have made my own Christmas crackers out of toilet roll paper and tear with bangers and things and bought my own gifts depending on who's going to be there. And that's the beauty yeah. of it, isn't it? Yeah, I think you can make it quite personal. Real personal touches. I've got these little wood rounds. I have purchased the little wood rounds from someone that lives locally. So you can actually like name them. You can go, I've bought this gift for this person. You can put the sort of little name tag on it and make it a little gift in itself. No, I printed off Christmas jokes. I looked up some really terrible Christmas jokes. <laughs> so I put those printed out so you can cut those out and add them, but you can obviously reuse them. And then some conversation starters as well. So I, th- I was thinking like, like family gatherings. I thought it'd be quite nice not just have a terrible joke that you've probably heard before. I actually have a conversation starter to actually have some really nice conversation. What a well. neat idea. And I believe you also make party crowns as well. Yes. Yep. So I've made quite a few crackers. They can. I've made lots of kids' ones for kids' parties, and I'm now making some Christmas ones that will roll up and that you can fit them in. Oh, into the Christmas cracker. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, it it is fun, and I love mixing and matching the fabric. And the fact that you say you use secondhand material as well, that you can do it. And and I saw on your website that nothing goes to waste. You've actually created a holly hedgehog. Can you? tell this yeah. <laughs> that's so cute yeah I, I really wanted to find something that I could put my scraps into I did purchase this pattern yep. online but it's perfect and I was like hedgehog holly that's perfect that really fits and so I've got a big laundry basket I guess and that's where all of like my little off cuts and bits and pieces go and then every now and then I've got a holly on the go at the moment and so you know I chop up the little bit smaller and I put them in there and I put um, river stones in the bottom and then sew her up and then she can be like a doorstop. So she's useful as well as looking pretty. And I've got one on my desk, which I put my pins in. Fantastic. In my day, we had sewing like little booklets or something, you know, that you oh, could put yeah. your needles in and that kind of thing as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many ideas. I see things and it just opens up another tab in my mind. <laughs> So sometimes I feel like I've got like 50 tabs open and sometimes not a lot's happening because I've got too many ideas. (laughs) I can empathise with you completely and utterly. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the other things that you do? You've got your peg bag, but you've actually, I noticed that you've extended that into a multi-use apron, which is a fantastic idea as well. Yeah. So yeah, I've got a um, a peg apron, but it doesn't need to be pegs. You can use it for anything. I'm just trying to think now. My mind's gone blank as what I've got on my website. <laughs> You've got past the parcel bags. Now, that's an awesome idea. Yeah, I think because I've got children. So my, my son's 13 and my daughter's 10. And so they're a bit older now for the, that traditional kid's birthday party. But obviously we did have that era. And it, it can be really quite wasteful. And you go to friends' birthday parties and they're less mindful of waste than I am. But you don't want to be like that parent or, <laughs> or that friend. So you just don't say anything, but you think, how, what could I make that would encourage other people to produce less waste? So I've always got that in the back of my head. And so, yeah, past the parcel bags, it was probably a conversation I had with some friends. And I think, you know what, I'm actually going to do a trial and see Mm. how that works. So I've got a few up. 
And I do actually have a few sets that I was going to try and hire out. So you could hire the past the parcel sets. You have to just email me. I can hire that out for a week. Nice. And some of them have got matching crowns to go with them. So oh, the bags cool. have 10 bags getting bigger in size and then 10 crowns that match. So awesome. hopefully that will inspire people to just use a little bit less waste. And you could do themed parties and things like that. Yeah, yeah. So I've got like dinosaur ones and <laughs> um, pirate ones. I'm always open to new ideas. Excellent. Yeah. And bunting as well? Yeah, lots of bunting. That's quite fun. I've got Christmas bunting that I'm going to have available. So previously, I used to get the old Christmas cards and I used to hang them up like bunting. And I thought, oh, you could actually sew them and then they're a little bit more sustainable, have like actual proper Christmas bunting. Yeah, nice. Do you have any aspirations or are you just quite happy fitting it in because you've got lots of other things happening in your life? I would like for Hollyview to sell more, you know, be, be more. I'm always open to more ideas. I go to different markets and and try and inspire people. I do work part-time as well. So one of my other interests is junk play, loose parts play for children. Very much sort of like child-led play with a company called Junkie Monkeys. And then with having two children, I I feel like I'm quite busy. I I just think I'd love to sew more and for more people to know about us. So what do you get out of it for yourself? I really enjoy creating. I really enjoy that time creating. I'm definitely an introvert. I like sitting and sewing. That That's my happy place. That's good for me. That's good for my mental health. I get great joy in creating. And then it's obviously fun when other people think that what I've made is really awesome and then I want to buy it. That's obviously quite good fun. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, when you connect with people at markets and they go, oh, this is amazing. That feels really good when they think what I've done is nice. And also yeah. it's making the difference. You don't have to solve the world's problems. You can do your bit and it has a ripple effect. Like you say, you can't go around telling every parent that their party has got lots of waste <laughs> around it. But it's um, just talking no, yeah. conversation. There are ways of doing it. But slowly, slowly, it has an incredible ripple effect, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I've been quite overwhelmed with, gosh, what can I really do? And it seems such a big problem. We're so wasteful. And you just have to take it down. Like, what can I do? Yeah. You know, like even just within my family, it's not like, yeah. oh, what can my husband do? And what can my kids do? It's like, what can I do? What yeah. products can I change? You know, just my own personal products and my own personal habits. That's where the change starts, isn't it? With yourself. Yeah. And then you can influence other people. So if I can inspire other people, then that would be amazing. So another thing that I forgot to mention is I've just started doing some workshops at um, oh. a local community house as a way of sharing my passion, but also encouraging other people to do it. So I'm doing a this term four, I've got like a kids learn to sew class each week. And so just teaching children how to sew. Nice. And then hopefully over that 10 weeks, we'll, we'll sew some really fun things, but it's also teaching them a skill, like little things like this is how you sew a button on and this is how you just do a little simple hand stitch to do a seam so far I'm really enjoying the girls that have come along to the class and hopefully I'll do another one next year I've also done a Christmas gift bag making workshop and a Christmas cracker workshop so I show people how to make my version of a Christmas cracker so they can go away and make their own so that's that's another sharing it because a lot of people would keep it to themselves because it's their business 
I think it goes back to when we were doing boomerang bags. It was like, come along and we'll sew these bags to give away. Could you say, oh, just come along. doesn't matter if you can sew or not. We'll, we'll teach you. Yep. So I think that kind of teaching people to sew is really rewarding. That they feel really empowered. It's like, wow, look what I can make. I really enjoy that as well. But being quite sort of introverted, actually doing a workshop is just really nerve wracking. Like it's right. taken me a while to go, okay, I think my next step is this. And then the community house that I'm working with, they're absolutely lovely and really encouraging. And they're, they're really small groups. I'm not doing like really big workshops. We're just talking four to six ladies or whoever wants to come open to everyone. And so it's a nice sort of intimate group. Like life is just about stepping out, isn't it? Just taking that next step, just sort yeah. of pushing yourself out, out of the comfort zone. So that's sort of been my journey all along. I guess I struggle a little bit with promoting myself and putting myself out there. Like even this podcast, it's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so nervous. I would say about a third of my guests have never done anything like it before. But to me, it's about sharing inspiring everyday stories and everyday people who are making a difference and taking responsibility and putting your Bridget Jones big knickers on and being brave (laughs) and taking that extra big step. I mean, the same for me with the podcast. I had the idea and it's like I told a few people and it's like, oh shit, I suppose I better go down and do it sort of thing. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, totally. And it often comes from having conversations with friends and bouncing ideas and you think, okay, that's my next step. (laughs) Yeah, awesome. So the workshops, could people contact you? Because you're Auckland based, aren't you, Birkenhead? Yeah. Yeah. So if anyone has an idea or anything that I make, and if anyone would like to learn how to make it, and they've got a few friends, just contact me and we can do a workshop because the community house I work with, they have sewing machines. So I can just hire the room and they've got all the machines. Fantastic. Well, you could get people together to come up with a community project or something like that. You never know. Yeah, yeah. And I think community sewing classes and groups are becoming more popular. I know we do have a few around and they do sew different things for community groups. So it's it's really, really lovely. Yeah, I think the stigma and the ageism that goes with it, because I heard um, there was a time where knitting had come back into fashion and again crocheting as well and a lot of people associate it with little old ladies sitting in their rocking chair with nothing better to do as opposed to wanting to a creative outlet yeah yeah totally so doing this kids learn to sew class is really encouraging it gives them passion and they can go on and be confident using the sewing machine Mm, it is such a basic skill isn't it yeah it is and it's just so useful I'm I'm so glad that I learned it way back and my mum had a sewing machine and she would have helped me with projects when I was younger. (laughs) I've got a very basic one. My grandma gave to me when I was 18 and I still got it. Those old ones are really good. I've actually got my mother-in-law's old one and it it must be like 50 years old and it it just goes like a dream. It's wonderful. It's so heavy, but Mm. it's just absolutely perfect. So apart from your grandparents and the Hollyview connection, is there any other person or book that has influenced you in your life? So there's a couple of books that really helped me. So one of them was Quiet by Susan Cain. I've always known that I was an introvert because I'm definitely not an extrovert. I think when my children were younger, you know, small children can be quite overwhelming and you never get any quiet time. And so I was struggling a little bit. And then someone pointed out to me, you know, you've got to think about your nature and introvert, extrovert. And it just got me thinking. And I came across this book and she just explains what being an introvert really is and how social interaction, like we need it, but it can be quite draining. 
And so I read this book and I was like, oh my gosh, yes. And I can look back at things like even when I was younger and I thought that I was weird or just really uncool because I just didn't have the energy for stuff. And I realize now it's just that's my nature. And Mm. I think as you get older, you accept yourself more. But this book really was just so interesting. And then from reading that book, she referenced another book called The Highly Sensitive Person by Elaine Aron. And again, I read that and went, right, tick, tick, tick. Yes, that's me. I'm definitely quite sensitive, but not just in like emotionally sensitive. I'm just quite a sensitive person. Yeah, it's eye opening. And it talks about looking back with kindness. You know, like sometimes you look back at past experiences or the way you reacted to stuff and you might think, oh, my gosh, I'm just such a loser or whatever. And then you realize, actually, no, because I was just reacting to those situations because that was my nature and I was overwhelmed. One other book is just called Becoming Myself by Stacey Eldridge. It's a Christian book. But again, it's talking about like rewriting your story of just becoming who you are and accepting who you are. So those three books have really just helped me be me, you know, and try not to be who I think other people think I should be. And I suppose Collie View is part of me being me. I've given myself permission and my husband's really supportive of just following that passion and not worrying about what other people might think yeah holy views me being me I suppose is the easiest way fascinating you saying this because my other hat is as a mentor and my work is really about helping people to get to know themselves because I see everything as energy and some of us are more highly sensitive than others because our environment affects us and once you have an understanding of your modus operandi you can be more forgiving and less berating of yourself and kinder to yeah. yourself and allow yourself, give yourself permission to do what fills you up, which is basically what you're doing and what the premise of the podcast is. So it's lovely yeah. how it's all integrated. Yeah. Stacey Eldred, she's written a lot of books and I really admire her. Right. From my Christian faith point of view, she's really inspiring. One's called Captivating and it's just about women embracing their beauty. And not necessarily their physical beauty. It's not a physical thing, but just their inner beauty, you know, the inner who they are. Because we just think the word beauty, but it's not about that at all. It's about letting yourself shine through and being, I guess, Mm. captivating. I I find her really inspiring and she's got so much love. It's lovely. (laughs) Awesome. So is there any quote or anything that um, inspires you, keeps you going? Yeah, I, I had one and I've, and I've had it since I was in my late teens, actually. And it goes like this. We have no choice what colour we're born or who our parents are or whether we're rich or poor. What we do have is some choice over what we make of our lives once we're here. And I had to look it up. It's actually by Mildred Taylor. Mm-hmm. I didn't actually know that until yesterday when I looked it up. <laughs> but I came across that quote and it just really helped me. You know, when I was younger and really struggling and I'm dyslexic and so school was really difficult. And and I had this opportunity to go to America for a year when I was 18. And that was like super scary. But this quote was just like, I have a choice. You know, I I can choose where I want to go. There's some things like, you know, that we can't control, but there's things that we can control. We can control how we respond to things and take opportunities that are in front of us like the podcast you know it's those opportunities that's been given to me and it's super scary but I'm going to choose to be brave and do it and so that quite helped me over so many years it's really helped me just to be brave and there's another one 
And it's sometimes it takes the things that we are most afraid of to get us where we want to go. But knowing that doesn't make it any easier. Mm. And I don't know who wrote that because that was at the end of an American TV drama that I watched a long time ago. And then a very poetic conclusion at the end. And that was one of the quotes at the end of this TV show. And it just really struck me that sometimes you have to do these scary things, but that takes you on the journey you want to go on. Gives you the impetus, doesn't it? Yeah. It's amazing how uh, when they ask this question, how many of my guests, everything relates to the person and helps them in their story. And mine is to be yourself in a world where they're trying to make you somebody else is the greatest accomplishment. That's that's philosopher Ralph Waldo Emerson and it speaks to Mm -hmm. my bloody mindedness, but it also gives me permission (laughs) to do things differently. (laughs) I think being stubborn can be quite useful. Like I'm quite insensitive, but I know my family kind of go, when you want to do something, I can be quite determined yes, um, and, and be quite stubborn. So I, I think it's quite useful sometimes. <laughs> determined is a softer version of stubborn, but it's also, there's a lot about your tenacity. So there's a scale of things, which is the important side of things. And to recognize where people's coming from, that is really good. So what do you do when you find yourself in a funk? I do pray. I try and sort of let things go lift my problems away in prayer and worship music or any kind of music but I think there's quiet time and I think when you're in that funky sometimes you don't realize that you are in one and you find that people are you know my kids probably get the brunt of it sometimes you need to recognize that you're in that state of mind first (laughs) and then think okay I might just need to have a bit of quiet time now Mm. Um, I need to listen to some music reset recenter myself and particularly yeah. for somebody who's sensitive, it's like an overload. I remember back in 2016, I went to Antarctica. And when I came back, it was a complete overload of visual and particularly auditory. It took me two months to recalibrate because we are bombarded the whole time. And that time out to yourself is so, so important to give yourself time to think about why am I affected by this what it is and as you say to be aware of I'm being a grumpy bum so I need to take responsibility (laughs) why am I being a grumpy bum and chewing the kids heads off when actually this is my problem it's not them being little shits it's actually my problem and I can make (laughs) the difference Although sometimes they are, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Let's get real here. Let's get real here. (laughs) So if I was your fairy godmother and could grant you one wish in the world, what would it be and why? I think I'd eliminate greed. I think that would be my biggest thing that I think would change a lot of things in the world today. Yep. Like consumerism and just people more, more, more. It would be nice if people could focus on what they need not what they want we live such a blessed life here you know we just have so much we have more than what we need so if you think of what if all the businesses in the world were like not-for-profit that would be amazing wouldn't it it would just invested back into the community and into the employers and that would filter down yeah I think that would be my my wish for the world for world (laughs) peace well I can't promise it but I can put it out there for you and I'm sure by the way that you're operating you're making a big difference to that anyway so thank you for your time thank you thank you so much for your contribution to the world and being you that's the important thing thank you you for having me on your show it's been lovely (laughs) well thanks very much take care Bye. bye 
I just love how open Tracy is to sharing how she makes her goods and how she's investing her time and energy into gifting the skills to the younger generation. Reach out and show your support for what she's doing, whether it be words of encouragement, ideas and or orders for her fabby goodies. There's a link to her website in the show notes. Next week, I'm talking to Peter Russell from Returnity, who's created an innovative way to stay connected to our loved ones when they pass away, both people and pets. Make sure you follow or subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out. All feedback and reviews are much appreciated, as are your suggestions for subjects or guests you'd like me to consider. Just email me on info at philiparos.com. So until next time, dig deep, open your mind to a world of possibilities, live life with a generous heart and take steps to minimise waste and maximise your own potential. Bye.